Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. The Gospel according to John, chapter 9. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him, because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, though that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, 
I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from? Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you, see, now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, we have been studying now the gospel according to John for a few months. And over the past um, time, we have started off with this same slide just to continue to remind ourselves of John's purpose in, in writing this letter. And that was to show proof, to give validity to the fact that Jesus was, is the Son of God who became the Lamb of God in order to take away the sins of the world. And again, I've made it a point, bringing it back out in the last couple of weeks, that the secondary motive there, which is all together, and that is that his desire and his purpose is to unify the church in that singular doctrine, that there was division that was going on um, within the church, and that John is desiring to reunite them in the truth. So over the, the past four weeks, specifically, I don't know if you realize it's been that long, but we've been talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, that um, this is all going on during the fall feast um, of Tabernacles. And so Jesus has um, made some remarkable declarations regarding his divinity through it all. Specifically, the last two weeks, oh, I want to go back there. Specifically, the last two weeks, We've talked about the I am passages and the seven metaphorical ones we talked about. And then I'll come back to I am the light of the world in a moment. But then we saw that in John 8, there were three literal I am's that actually have greater impact 
than the metaphorical, seven metaphorical ones that are throughout the book of John. And that is Jesus declared, unless you believe, I am, I am, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that he is Yahweh, you will die in your sins. Jesus then said, and when you lift up or exalt the Son of Man, you will know I am, I am. And then at the end of John 8, he declares that before Abraham was, I am, I am. And finally, the Jews, enough's enough. And they took up stones to kill him. So, we're coming right off of that passage. So, like, if you've got your Bible open to John 9, you can see right there above the, the chapter break, right? It says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Or I am, I am, literally is what it says. Okay? Then they took up stones to throw in him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Sometimes I wish there weren't chapter breaks. Because there's no break. Because look at what verse 1 says. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So this is just a continuation of what he's already stated. So he has just told them in the temple, in the court of the woman, in the court of the treasury, I am the light of the world. And if you remember, the reason I put the, this um, picture back up, again, is remember, they have the great menorah. Those, that's not a good rendition of it. But they have the great menorah that's sitting there in, the, in that court that's representing Yahweh in the wilderness. The pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. And Jesus is there in the court of the woman. Remember, because the beginning of the chapter was when they went to stone the woman. Right? And so they bring the woman in and says, what do you say? And so he says, you know, he who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. So they're in the court of the woman when he makes this proclamation, I am the light of the world. Well, Jesus is now, as he walks away, he is going to give a distinctly messianic sign. They want to see a sign. He's done numerous signs. But now he's going to do one that they can't deny. And yet, as we read in Romans chapter 1, men will what? Suppress the truth. They don't want to believe the truth. And so when the truth is slapped there right in front of them, they make a decision still to reject it. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see this sign that Jesus is going to make, declaring, revealing that he is indeed the light of the world. But what's so unique about John chapter 9, again, you know I love John 8. I said that, right? But I love John 9 coming right on the heels of it because John 8 is all about Jesus. John 9 is about Jesus. But as Chuck read, John 9 is all about who? A blind man. Isn't this kind of cool? And you've got to understand, and we'll get to it when we get to the situation. Well, I'll just do this now so you can see. It's all about the blind man. Okay? So let's move in to his situation. Because you've got to understand this guy's situation. He is a man who was born blind, right? And so the disciples are going to ask a question that's going to be really revealing regarding this guy's situation who sinned in order for this guy to be what blind did he sin 
Or was it because of his parents? But now think about it. When was he blind? From birth. So so think think through the, the question. If if he sinned, then where was the sin from? In utero. Makes sense, because if he's born blind, then the sin had to happen way back then. Or was it his parents' sin? Did they do something while he was pregnant or before or no, not while he was pregnant? <laughs> well, anyways, while he was in the womb, okay, or was it prior to, and now God is what? Punishing them with a blind child. Okay? To be blind in that culture was to be marked for sin. Because clearly, if you weren't a sinner, this wouldn't have happened to you. Think again the book of Job, right? Okay? So his three friends, acquaintances, come to encourage him. With friends like that, who needs enemies, right? So anyways, so they come to encourage him. But what do they do the entire time? They accuse him of sin. Because all these things happen to you. You have to have sinned. This doesn't happen to normal people. I mean, think about what happened. He lost all of his kids one shot. Boom! He lost all of his crops. He lost all of his herds. Clearly, he's got to be in sin. And if that's not bad enough, God didn't get his attention well enough from the perspective of his friends. So God inflicted you with boils. You must be in sin. So this is a mindset that's going on here, okay? And so from put yourself in this guy's position, position then. So how long has he, from the cultural standpoint, been in sin? His entire life. His entire life. How old is he? Anybody know? Well, we don't know 40. That was the, 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 the guy who was lame in Acts chapter 4. Okay? As Chuck read, did you read anything that told you how old he was? Ah, good. He is of age. Okay, that helps me out a little bit. Over 30, you're guessing. He's over 12, you're guessing. <laughs> you're guessing. Give me a Bible passage. You just stood on your own authority. I have, a th- I have authority. And it's on your sermon note sheets. <laughs> He's over 20. He's over 20. Okay? So, by, by, at the age of 20 is when you had to serve in, in the military. And, it, um, and you'll see that you were accountable to things. So, the age of 20. Isn't that kind of neat when we think about that? Okay? But at least in that culture. So, he has to be at least 20. So, he has undergone this torment, this affliction... For over 20 years, he's never seen anything. So I'm, let me just throw one out. This real kind of fun. When at the very end, we're going to get to there, right? And so Jesus says, do you believe the Son of Man? He says, well, I don't know. Tell me who he is. He says, you have both what? Isn't that fun? That's why we sang, I'm sure that's why you picked, face to face I shall behold him. What was the first thing this guy got to see? No, it wasn't Jesus. It was water. Good job. Yeah, I set you up. So, because Jesus sent him away. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But his first glimpse of the Savior. Could you imagine that at that moment? How cool would that be? I think of Fanny Crosby. She didn't write this song. I thought she, when we first picked it, I thought it was going to be a Fanny Crosby song. 
end up, but it's not. Because Fanny Crosby has written a lot of hymns about seeing Jesus. Fanny Crosby was blind. How cool is that? Anyways, so this guy's situation, the disciples ask the questions, okay? But then Jesus reveals the answer, and that is the ultimate purpose. This guy has been blind for over 20 years for this moment. Isn't that kind of hard to think about? This guy has been blind for over 20 years for this moment. This guy has lived a life where he wasn't able to see a thing, where people were casting dispersion upon him. I'm probably saying the wrong word again, but you get what I'm saying. That they're just looking down, they're reviling him, they're calling him names, they're spitting on him, probably. For 20-something years. For the glory of God to be revealed. How cool is that? This happened so that the work of God would be able to be revealed in order to give a sign that no one, even 2,000 years later, can answer, can explain in any other way. And we're going to see out of the mouth of babes. This is so cool. So, his healing. What happened on his healing? This is kind of weird. I mean, Jesus, he didn't have to do this. Right? I mean, how many other guys he came up to and he, and he just touches them and he heals them and what? It's done. But do you remember the lepers? The ten lepers? He tells them, go what? Show yourself to the priest. Present an offering to the priest. Okay? And, but on the way, on the way, they saw that they were what? Healed and one came back and he was a Samaritan. Well, in the same manner, Jesus spits on the ground. This is so cold to me. I mean, spitting on the ground, you know, because I'm from, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm from the city, you know, he's spitting on the ground, it's kind of good. No, anyways, no. But he, he spits on the ground, and what does he do with it? He makes mud, he makes clay, we're told specifically clay, but mud, dirt, okay? And what does he do with it? Say again? He anoints, he puts it on his eyes, okay? Last week when we talked about Jesus being the light of the world, what was one of the declarations that they would understand who he was from the I am the light of the world? It was the very first thing. So Genesis chapter 1, remember to go back to it. There was darkness, and God said what? Let there be light. He is the light of the world. He is the creator. What is he doing right now? He's creating, man. What is man made of? Just a bunch of dirt. So you women are right when you say you're just a bunch of dirt. Just remember, ladies, you're only a piece of dirt. So anyways, so keep, keeps it all in balance, okay? But, but Jesus is down taking the dirt. And he's doing what? He's creating an eye. And brain and nerves. I almost was going to call you, Steve, and say, Steve, can you get, but I know we didn't have time to go through all this. I don't know what part was wrong in him not being able to see. Probably by that point, you're right. Yeah. I mean, so. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. This is good. Get that mic. I should have. I told you I should have because this is, this is, this is so cool. This, no, this is, this is so important to this miracle. He's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the people on, on Zoom are saying, wait, 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 we're missing this. If there's no input to that part of the brain within days, two, three days, it all disintegrates, turns into gristle, that part of the brain in the back of the brain. And so Jesus is creating a whole optical system for this guy. It's not a new cornea in repairing his brain. brain. the, The whole system, the whole thing, Jesus is creating. And so he says, to, and he says about my father's been at work, right? He says, so I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one works. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he's going to what? He's going to prove it. He's going to bring light into the midst of this guy's darkness. And he's going to do it just the way he did it at the beginning. How cool is this? Now, I put both the sides up there. Because this symbolizes to me the whole battle of salvation as a whole. I'm a mystery position. I believe in election. I believe in all that kind of stuff. But I believe in the free will of man. How do they come together? I don't know. And I honestly don't care. There were a whole lot of blind guys in that day. There were a whole lot of lame guys in that day. But Jesus tells us that this blind man was blind for this moment. And as he passes through the crowd and he's walking out of the temple, because this guy's not in the temple, he's at the gate of the temple. Why would he be at the gate of the temple? He's begging. He's looking for alms. And so as Jesus passes out of the temple, he sees the guy sitting there, probably at the gate, beautiful, begging. And he stops. What was, why is he walking out of the temple right now? What's getting ready to happen? They're trying to stone him. Would you stop? I mean, those guys are only about what? 10, 20 feet? We know they're there because he's going to talk to them in a moment. (laughs) And he stops. They're already wanting to kill him. But he wants to show them that he is who he says he is. But think of what he tells this guy to do then. We understand now, because we read the context, this is the Sabbath, this is the Shabbat. Remember, all the way from the beginning, from this woman being brought, it's a Sabbath day. So what's Jesus doing again on the Sabbath day? From their perspective. Well, he's healing. From their perspective, he's working. Okay, But look what he tells the guy to do. He puts, so he works, in their eyes, by making mud. Isn't that it's kind of weird, right? And, and he puts mud on this guy's eyes, and they're going to claim this to be work. Okay? But then what does he ask the guy to do? Go and wash. What does he ask the guy to do? Work. He asks the guy to go and work. Because the guy is going to go to the pool of Siloam, and he's going to wash. But what is he asking the guy to really do? Keep going. Obey. Say, so I heard it. Somebody said it. Believe. But not just believe, but to prove, obey, act on that faith. Faith without works is what? Dead. 
Even the devil, devils believe and they shudder. You believe in God? Big deal. Reveal it. And that's the whole balance here with this works thing. I'm not going to be saved by my works, but if I'm truly saved, if I truly believe, it's going to reveal itself in me by my actions. So Jesus comes up and he makes this mud and he puts it on the guy's eyes and he says, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Have you ever seen before no and we know from this guy's testimony which we're going to get to later that it's unheard of that this has ever happened before so why would you waste your time this guy's mocking you he's putting mud all over your eyes i mean it's bad enough for spitting on you and calling your names and stuff i guess but this guy comes up and he makes mud and he puts it on your eyes and tells you to go to the poor salon did you ever think about that This guy had to make a decision, didn't he? Kind of a crisis of faith moment. Tell me who the Son of Man is, I'll believe. He had no clue. This guy, Jesus, he came up and he put mud on my eyes. I went and washed and I see. I don't know who Jesus is. I got an inkling he probably knew the name. Because he's sitting at the, the, the gate. Does it make sense? And there's probably conversations that are going on. But he's got to make a decision. And he has to step out on faith. Do you believe that all things are possible with God? That nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible with God? That if God calls you to do something, he will empower you to accomplish the task. Could this guy heal himself? <laughs> could, he, could he get eyesight to himself? He's lived his entire life in darkness. And this guy walks up and says, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And he does it. Could you imagine, years ago, I coached baseball. And I had this one kid in the little league, big old boy, big old boy. If I could just get him to hit the ball, what he could would be phenomenal. One day we were practicing in the indoor cages over at Greenbrier High School because it was raining and we were using it. And so probably from um, maybe me to Gerard is the, the length of the, um, the cage. And now I got an L, so I'm throwing it like this, you know. That kid connected, connected, and hit a line drive in that little bitty thing that the post is here, it came right like this, into my eye. Oh, baby, I'm, hmm. I fell to the ground instantly, and I believed that when I opened my eye up, I would be blind. I don't know how I could take a direct shot and not be blind. A couple days later, I woke, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw the ball. The stripes had turned miraculously and hit my bone 
above and below, so the ball never caught my, my eye. But the point is, when I was laying there, blood everywhere, you know, kids thought I was goofing off until I got up and blood's everywhere, you know. Be careful, guys, when you're goofing off. Kids always think you're goofing off when something really happens. <laughs> the moral of the story. Anyways, so, and I was afraid to open my eye. I can't imagine what this guy felt like as he's washing his eye. This anticipation, this, this, this wonder. I don't know what this kind of faith, think about it, actually feels like. I remember when I got saved. God, if you can say this, so I'm yours. And I know the things that he's asked me to do that I stepped out on. But it's not this big. Do you get it? And when he sees the waters of Siloam, yeah, he probably saw his muddy hands first. Muddy hands never look so beautiful. Did you ever think about that? You know? And so now he's, he's all excited about it. Well, this just starts a whole now uh, landslide of, of things going on because people start to recognize the fact that what? He who was once blind is now what? He's got eyes. So if we take what Steve said, and if his eyes are that whitish look of a blind person, but now all of a sudden they're what? They're vibrant. Everybody can see that this guy isn't what? Blind. But he's, he's actually seeing. And his neighbors, he's lived there for years. So they what? They know it's not a, a show. This hasn't, he hasn't faked this thing for 20 years for this moment. Make sense? So this is real. So, so they say, what happened? He now becomes a witness. Martoreo is to witness. We take the word martoreo and we cut it short and bring it into English as a martyr. You don't necessarily have to die for your witness, but sometimes it happens. Okay? But a martoreo is, is um, literally going into a courtroom and sitting on the, the witness stand. When you go and you're called to subpoena to be a witness and you're sat on the, the witness stand, what do they ask you to tell them? The truth, the whole truth, nothing but truth. But what you know. All you're asked is to tell what you know. They are not going to call me on the witness stand to give a testimony about splatterology. Now, if you want to know what splatterology is, you can come talk to me later. I'm not going to talk about it in a mixed group. Okay? But anyways, but they're not going to ask me to do that. Okay? Because I am not a forensic guy. Now, my son, Ben, does have a degree in forensics. Maybe he studied splatterology. Maybe if they asked him to, to talk about it, they'd be able to. But it wouldn't be me. Would they ask you, Hunter? No, because you never really studied splatterology, right? You know what it is, right? Yeah, I know it's not splatter. It's splatter. But it could be. I'll take the spatter, too. It's all the same. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, but they're not going to ask me for this stuff. They're not going to ask me for DNA evidence and all this kind of stuff because it's not my area does it make sense they're only going to ask me to tell what i know so that's in a sense what's happening he's not necessarily in a court of law but he is in a some court, sort of a court from the perspective of you got a jury that's sitting there and they're trying to figure out what went on so what does he tell them this guy named jesus he made mud he stuck it under my eyes told me to go to the pool siloam i washed and i what I see. What else can I tell you? That's exactly what happened. 
And so all the neighbors, they just accepted that. Like, whoa, that's really, oh, that's pretty impressive. Okay, whatever. But then we get into this, this next part, which is really the main part, and that is his witness to the Pharisees. And this is going to happen twice. Okay? They, they're going to have this interview, this um, <laughs> interview, this challenge session, and then they're going to send him away because they're going to talk to his mom and dad. And then they're going to bring him back in and they're going to do it all over again, right? And so what's the first thing we see happening here in verse 13, right? Is they, they brought him who was formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also asked him again how he received his sight. And he said to him, he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. So first thing he gives them is regarding the testimony of Jesus is the activity of Jesus. He tells them exactly what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Now, he doesn't necessarily bring up the fact that it's the Sabbath. It's just a fact. Make sense? They all understand this is on the Sabbath and Jesus did this. So again, their interpretation, their hermeneutic of the moment is Jesus is breaking the law because he's healing somebody on the Sabbath. Wrong hermeneutic. Okay? Wrong interpretation. But that's what's happening, okay? And so, he goes on, and now there's this discussion regarding who Jesus is. And so, there's this debate going on. And so, verse 17, they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And the blind man said what? He's a prophet. Now, I just, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's kind of fun that these guys even ask him his opinion. Because later we're going to find out that they're going to discount it anyway because he was what? Born into sin. Right? Why are you even asking him? I mean, you disdain him anyway, so why are you even asking? At this moment, they're just looking for anything. Do you get it? But now they have not only the witness, they have the what? The faith that goes with it. Do you track? This blind man, I think, is being led and being built, being encouraged, being emboldened by God at this moment. Before, all he had to do was say what? What happened to him? But now he's being forced to make a statement about Jesus. And this is going to be a huge statement because, as we're going to see, I'm sure he had knowledge of this next step we're going to talk about. Okay? So, you got the testimony of the parents. Well, how does this play out? So, verse... 18, that the Jews did not believe concerning him that he was blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say, who you say was born blind? How then does he see now? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees we do not know, or who opened his eyes we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. Now the part, important part, he'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, he would be put out of the what? synagogue so this guy is starting to make a declaration of who jesus is he stops short of declaring that he's what messiah but he declares right off the bat he's got to be a prophet so then the 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 pharisees bring in the the parents but the parents he's our son who's born blind but he's of age he can answer for himself why because they're afraid. 
they don't have the faith. You see the difference? They're not willing to be put out of the, the synagogue. But the guy is. And we're going to see that in just a moment. So they bring the guy back in, right? So I love this. This is so great to me. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. Now you can go back to the book of Joshua for that, right? When Achan is brought back, because Achan stole the, 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 the wedges of gold and the, the Babylonian cloak and stuff like that, right? And he's hiding in his tent. And so he's brought before Joshua and they say to him, Give God the glory. So basically they're saying what? Confess. Tell the truth. Tell us what you did. You're a sinner, so tell us the sin that you've committed. Give God the glory, right? So they say, um, I can find my spot again. Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Verse 25. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, what? I don't know. I can't answer that question. That's, that's, that's not my purview. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I remember that night. I'll never forget that night when I was 23 years old. And I knew that if I died at that moment, I was going to hell. My heart was going to burst. It was ready to burst. I really felt like I was ready to die. And I rolled out of bed. And I went and sat in my papa's on chair. And I said, God, if you could save this wicked soul, I'm yours. And my life was transformed. Have I been perfect? I'd like to tell you I'm perfect. But everything about my life, the motivations of my life changed at that moment. Sin wasn't about me now. It was about my Abba. It was about my daddy. It was about my relationship with him. I I didn't know all the theologies that I know today, and I'm not saying I know them all. Do you understand? But I didn't know Greek and Hebrew. I didn't know all these things. But one thing I knew, <laughs> I was condemned. But now I am free. Do you get it? I was in darkness. But now I see. I love this. I can't answer all those other questions for you. He's going to in a moment. I love it. I can't answer all those questions for you. But here's the thing I can tell you. I was blind, but now I see. You cannot argue with someone's testimony. They cannot argue with yours. But based upon time, and we don't have time on this one. This is all happening on the same day. But I can tell you from my own life that based upon time and God's consistency in working through me and transforming me, then those who didn't necessarily believe at the beginning came to realize that there was a change, that God was working. Does that make sense? I can't say anything else. You know, so for those people who knew me back when I was 20 years old and why I was, Rodney, I got one. You knew me before I was saved. Yes? Am I different? Pretty much. Ooh, that's not good. I've got to work on that one. <laughs> yes. You know, right. And so, isn't that kind of cool? I mean, I knew Michelle when she was that Catholic coming for the first time, you know? Then I didn't have any problem with it because I was a Lutheran coming for the first time, you know? 
And we kind of were from the same boat. Make sense? I got it. But I can see the change that's in Michelle, even without her giving me a testimony. I know over these past 30 years how her life has changed. Amen. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. But then he goes on with this intimidation of the council, you know, where they're like, give God the glory, you know, you got to say what we want you to say. To this now courage into his testimony and his boldness, because they're going to say to him, as they come back to him, it said, one thing I know now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? <laughs> I told you already. You didn't listen. That's kind of how to make friends and influence people, huh? Okay. Like standing before the judge. Judge, I told you already. Would you please stick a finger in one of your ears so it sticks this time? <laughs> that wouldn't kind of go over well, would it? Okay. But that's basically what he's saying. I already told you. Why do, do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples? Woo! Black, right? Talking about boldness. Okay? So this is what my testimony is. I can't tell you anything else. Do you want to learn? Do you want to get it? But then look what it says. Then they reviled him and said, so this is not a pleasant moment. This is not a, you know, enjoyable time situation, right? They revile him and they say, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. You think boldness before? I love this. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us that we need to be ready to what? Give a reason, an answer, a defense for what we believe when people ask us a reason for it, right? So this guy doesn't know 1 Peter 3.15 because it hasn't been written yet. But he's going to live it out right now. We don't know. I mean, this guy, we don't know. Well, isn't this a marvelous thing? Chuck, I like when you read, but you need to put a little more emphasis on this one. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, I just see this. I'm messing with you, you know that. But I just see this guy just totally incredulous. Here I am standing in the midst of these religious guys who know the Bible. I'm just a what? I'm just a beggar. I'm a blind beggar who's never been allowed to be a part in the synagogue. Think about it. He's never been allowed in the synagogue. He hasn't gone to Hebrew school. That's why he's outside the temple. He's not allowed in the temple. Go back to the law. He's got the infirmity. Infirmity. He's put aside. He hasn't been taught unless his parents chose to teach him. But I'm not sure, based upon their testimony, that they worried about doing that. I think they kept him to the time he was of age and said, go beg. Now, isn't this a marvelous thing? Here I am amongst all these scholars... And you guys can't add one and one. I shouldn't say that. Marcia says I'm good at, at calculus, but I can't do my own checkbook. Anyways, so. But that's what this guy's thinking. So he goes through the list. Check the paragraph out. First thing. What do we know? God's opened my eyes through this guy. I used to be blind. Now I see. True statement? Can we, can, we, can we agree with this moment right now? That I used to be blind, but now I see. And that this guy did it. Okay. Point number one. Point number two. God doesn't hear sinners. Do you guys agree with this one? Not you guys, but think about it. He's in there. God doesn't hear sinners. Well, 
you can go back, and I can go back to Proverbs, and I can show you that God doesn't listen to the prayers of sinners. There's one prayer of a sinner that God will really listen to. What's that? Save me. That's exactly right. When they come in humility and humbleness and call upon his name. Okay? But from God's word, okay, this is a true statement. God doesn't hear sinners. God does hear, though, those who are doing things according to his will. First John chapter 5 is very clear with that. That we know God hears us if we pray according to his what? Will. And if we know that he hears us, then we're going to get what we, we ask for. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, that means according to my will, it will be what? It'll be done for you. So if you are worshiping God in praying according to his will, then you'll what? You'll get the answer. Okay? Number four, healing a man born blind is unheard of. From the creation of the world. Can you guys come up with one? I mean, I almost wonder if he paused for a moment here. Help me out. Tell me if I'm wrong in any of my my theology so far. Ergo, therefore, (laughs) if this guy's not from God, he couldn't do anything. This is a no-brainer. Whether he's a sinner or not, I can't answer it. But you asked me what I thought of this guy, and I told you. I think he's a what? A prophet. Do you know what he just gave a defense for? Why he believes this guy has got to be at least a prophet. He's still not making a declaration that he's Messiah. Do you get it? But he's making the statement that he's got to be from God. These guys are saying he's not from God. And he's like, isn't this marvelous? I don't, I don't know how you're getting this thing that this guy is not of God. I mean, I, I got the, the education of a kindergartner bringing it into our, right? Do you remember when Peter, Peter, yeah, Peter and John were before the, the Sanhedrin in the book of Acts? And the, the Sanhedrin was all dumbfounded? Why? They were unlearned men. They were uneducated men. All they could say is that they had been with Jesus. How cool is that? Jesus made us a promise when he left. He told his disciples, it's profitable for you for me to leave. For if I go, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will remind you of my teachings. And when you are put before the council, what will he do for you? He'll give you the words to speak. And here we are watching it. Before the Holy Spirit, quote unquote, comes upon this guy. Make sense? I mean, the sealing of the Holy Spirit doesn't happen until John 20. This is kind of cool, isn't it? The empowerment of the Holy Spirit in this blind guy before the council. God is using this guy 20-something years. Think about this. 20-something years he went through the affliction of blindness. For this moment where he can give 
this testimony to these guys. That the leaders of Israel are going to make a decision based on. How do you explain it otherwise? Even an unlearned beggar could see it. It was that clear. Don't forbid the little children to come unto me. Why? Such is the kingdom of God. What does it mean? To have a childlike faith? What does it mean? Total trust. You took it for what the face value was. You analyzed it. As adults, we, we kind of we have our preconceived notions. This is an amazing passage to me. And so, we go on then to his excommunication. This is the result. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins. Are you teaching us? Is that ever your thought toward others when someone is speaking something to you? I got to struggle with that sometimes. See, years ago when I first got saved, I didn't have all this theology. But now all of a sudden you start getting learned and you think what? You got all the answers. Listen, I honestly, I believe in 1 Timothy chapter 3 when it says that he's apt to teach. The word is a little bit different than didaskalos. I think it actually means he's teachable. That a man of God needs to be teachable. Not that he's gullible. He's, he's teachable. He's always willing to what? Learn. But if you're not willing to learn, if you're not willing to learn, you'll never learn. It's your phone. It's okay. It's a stockbroker. <laughs> so, so think about that. For this moment, this guy has the opportunity, but these Pharisees weren't willing to what? Listen. They weren't willing to learn. They already knew what they believed. And even though they have this, test, this miracle in front of their face, they reject it. And so now we come into this final proclamation of faith, which is really kind of cool because Jesus comes to him and he has this interaction with the man. And he says to the man, he says, so what do you believe about this guy now? He says, show me who he is. Tell me who he is, and I'm going to believe. Remember what we talked about when somebody gets saved? When they find out the truth, what's going to happen? They're just going to believe that too. A kid may not understand that Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh, Yahweh incarnate. They don't necessarily need to believe that. But if someone's truly saved, when they find out that Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh, what are they going to do? They're going to believe, okay, good, cool. I got this one. That's exactly what just happens right at this moment. This guy's accepting Jesus as a prophet at this moment. Son of man is a title for the Messiah. And so Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, tell me who he is, and I'll believe. I'm in. I'm in. I am all in on this one. You are Messiah, and I am all in. How do I know he's all in? What's the next thing that happens? He worships him. He worships him. And Jesus doesn't what? He doesn't stop him. Then the Pharisees jump in. Because Jesus makes this comment about, for this is the reason I came into the world, right? And 
so the Pharisees say, so what, are you saying we're blind? That, that we're, we're in sin? I love Jesus' comeback. Look, if you were blind, if you were blind, you'd have an excuse. You'd have an excuse. I don't want to read too much into this, but I read mercy of God here. I read mercy of God. God is the judge. God is the judge. I don't know how he judges. I base it upon God's word, how I look at things. I know they need to accept Christ as their Savior. Do you understand? If somebody is in the middle of the jungles of wherever, fill in the blank, okay, and they haven't got a missionary testimony, and um, they never heard of Jesus, what is God going to judge them based upon? God's the judge. You get what I'm saying? How God does it, I'm not going to worry about. People want to define all these things. I don't want to define all these things. God's the judge. God's merciful. God is gracious. But God is also just. Does it make sense? How he's going to handle it, I don't know. But we're told in the book of Acts that God overlooked the sins of the past of people. I can't answer that question. All I know is my God is a loving God, a God of grace, and a God of... But he does, it's, universal salvation is not true. Men are condemned because they love darkness rather than what? Light. We saw that last week. Okay? So, but Jesus says to them, if you were blind, you'd have an excuse. But you tell me your own testimony is what? That you see. That you understand. That you comprehend all this. Well, then seeing, you better see. And hearing, you better hear. Because you are now going to give an account for everything that just happened here. They're condemned. Because he proved at this very moment that he is the what? Messiah. He is the light of the world. He is Yahweh in the flesh. Who else could create like that? And they rejected even his instant creation of this guy's eyes. Not just a healing, but beyond. A miracle of miracles. A wonder of wonders. And they rejected it. So who's Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he Yahweh incarnate? Again, we can say intellectually, oh yeah, that's what I believe. But again, as last week, how do I know? What change? You look at this blind guy? Was there a change? Oh yeah. All of a sudden we've got this bold evangelist. This bold apologist who's able to do things that were beyond the comprehension of everybody else. How bold then of a witness are you? Oh, what Jesus has done in your life. Again, you don't need to be an expert on everything else. But you got to at least know what he's done in your life. Is there a change? I used to be in darkness, but now I'm in light. This is the way I used to be. Now I'm like this. Has there been then the transformation in your life? Or hasn't there been? Is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy to us. We know that 
salvation, there's nothing in it that's of us. It's all of you. And yet, Lord, you've told us that faith without works is dead. And so, God, I, that if we really have faith, it's going to be evidenced by our willingness to obey, our willingness to submit, our willingness to, to do 